Hello, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Harvest Church here in Elk Grove. We're excited to have you join us as we share God's message of hope and love. Each week, we bring you a new message from our pastors and guest speakers designed to inspire, uplift your spirits, and challenge you. Whether you're listening on your commute, at home, or on a walk, we hope these messages will bring you closer to God and help you on your faith journey. So without further ado, let's listen in. Father, we thank you and we praise you right now in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we come before you believing that you're going to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask, think, or imagine. God, I pray, Lord, that you would give your people a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would enlighten the eyes of their understanding, give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and the heart to perceive what the spirit of the living God is saying that we might be healed. Lord, you've established the word of God in the heavens now, establishing in our hearts. God, I thank you that you are our great confidence and we put our trust in you. And I pray that today that you administer to your people and that you would speak to them. They came out for Super Sunday. But Lord, I believe that you came for us and you are going to do something great and mighty. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray and all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. I want to just take a couple of minutes to talk to you today about the game of life. Look at your neighbor and say the game of life. I want to read this to you from Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. We're going to put it on the screen. But it reads this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and every sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, And fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning in its shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote this, or the, the writer of the book of Hebrews, life is like a game that we play or a race that we run with the desire to compete and win. How many of you know that when people are playing in the Super Bowl today, they're not playing for a participation trophy, but they are competing to win. Every team, whether it be the San Francisco 49ers or the Kansas City Chiefs, they want to, at the end of this game, when the line says 0-0-0, they want to lift up what they call the Lombardi Trophy because that's the championship trophy that says that you've won. But as a matter of fact, It is so much, life is so much like a game that one of the writers of the Bible actually used the illustration of a race. And as many of us know, all games and races have rules that govern if we win or if we're disqualified. And I want to speak to you this morning about three aspects of the game of life that we must understand if we want to win in our life's journey. So look at your neighbor and say, there are three pieces of the game of life. And I'm going to share them with you today. Number one, to win in the game of life, you must know and follow the rules if you don't want to be disqualified. Today in the Super Bowl, you have the referees. I saw my brother. Someone has a referee jersey in the corner back there. Brother, can you please stand up, brother ref? Yes, please. 
you will see people with a pinstripe shirt. You might think that the zebra print is not zebra print. It's actually the referees. Thank you, brother. And the referees are going to walk around with a yellow flag. And any time that one of the teams or the players on the teams violate the rules, they pull a yellow flag out of their pocket and they throw it on the field, meaning that there was a violation of the game. And the game of life has rules. And then the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve broke the main rule God gave them, and they were disqualified from competing in the game of life. In the book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8, it says this. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and they placed the man he had made. And the Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, and the trees were beautiful, and they produced delicious fruit. And in the middle of the garden, he placed a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When God created humanity, he put Adam and Eve in the middle of the garden, and he put two trees. He put the tree of life, number one, that they could eat from, and they could live for all eternity. And then he put a second tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he told them, he said, you can eat from from the tree of life as much as you want. He said, but this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he says, do not eat from the tree. But if he's like, if they're like most people, how many of us, if we're honest, really don't like rules? Just raise your hand. Just a few, just a few, amen. Praise God. I must be the Raider fans. Praise the Lord. <laughs> hey, hey, come on now. I've been to Oakland doing the Raiders game. I said, oh, yes. This looked like a biker gang that rolled up in the stadium. That's why they used to call it the black hole. That's, come on, somebody. You don't mess around with Raider fans. They had to change rules in the NFL because the Raider, the Raider teams were so dangerous. Come on. <laughs> Praise God. I have much respect for John Madden and the old school crew. Amen. But as most people, we don't like to follow rules. And God gave Adam and Eve access. And here's the crazy part. God gave Adam and Eve access to every tree that was in the garden. But he said this one rule, if you don't want to be disqualified, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Botanists have discovered over 2,000 different fruit trees around the world. And they've estimated that there are more trees that exist they've just not discovered them yet can you imagine God gave Adam and Eve 1,999 options and he said there's just one tree you can't eat from but because there is something in us that always desires to have that thing we shouldn't have. They said, I don't want the 1,999 trees. I want the one tree, the one fruit, the one thing that I'm not supposed to have. And because they desired what they should not have had, they disqualified themselves from the game of life. 1 Corinthians 9 24 says this do you not or do you not know that in the race all runners run but only one gets the prize run in such a way that you get the prize when we try to live life on our own terms without following the rules of life we fail and we make great mistakes 
The Lord does not want you to live a life that has failed and live a life where you're continually making mistakes, but he's given us a rule book to help us to follow so that we're not disqualified. It would be a tragedy that these two teams have worked so hard, they've sacrificed so much, they've given up many hours, time, sacrificed time with their family, money, resources to get to the end of a game and for the referee to pull a flag and for him to throw it and a, a one penalty disqualifies them and costs them the game. How much more in life where God is saying, I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you, but to prosper you, to give you a hope in the future, where God says, I, I love you, and, and the things that I want to do for you, I've given you a life, a life abundant, a life that is blessed, but we disqualify ourselves because we violate the way that he created us, and we do things that we should not do. But this is the reason why Jesus Christ came to the earth, because he wanted us to see the way that we're supposed to live and rescue us from the penalties of sin and the mistakes that we make because in human nature sometimes we just don't like to follow the rules the second rule of the game of life is this we must get rid of all the weights that slow us down we have to get rid of every weight that slows us down Paul said in Hebrews 12, 1, he said, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. See, there's something I want to tell you about sin. Sin has a slowing effect. Sin is like trying to run a marathon in quicksand. It slows you down and it decreases your pace. And instead of being able to run full speed, sin is slowing you down and preventing you from running at the pace that you should. It's almost like trying to put ankle weights around your ankles and then still run effectively. Sin is slowing you down. Look at the neighbor say, sin slows you down. Tony Evans says this. He said, an Olympic sprinter strips off his warm-up gear and eliminates extra weight and wind resistance. Similarly, we need to get rid of unbelief in anything in our lives that might trip us up spiritually and prevent us from running the race, and we all have a way to, to make it to the finish line. God wants us to make it to the finish line. He wants us to be li lift up the trophy of the game of life because we've been rewarded and we finished and made it to the finish line. Can I give a good amen on that? Amen. Jim Elliott once said that sin is a brutal master. It robs one of joy. It steals money and health. It promises pleasure tomorrow only to lead one to a rotten plank over the mouth of the pit. See, the Bible says that sin is fun for a season. Some of you used to go to the bar room and you had a lot of fun. Some of you used to go to the club and you had a lot of fun. Some of you used to turn up at the party and you had a lot of fun. And it was fun, but it was only fun for a season. But when the season ended and you had to pay the tab, you realized that you participated at a level higher than you had the ability to pay. Hmm. But I want you to know something today. When they slipped that bill across the table and you looked at it, 
And you said that's a price tag that I don't have the ability to pay. Jesus pulled out his American Express black card and threw it on the table. And he said, I'm paying for every sin, every weight, every failure, every mistake, every bad decision, every bad choice that they've ever made. He says, I am paying for your debt so that even though you're the one that tallied up the debt, I'm paying for it with my blood, with my forgiveness, with my salvation, with my deliverance. Amen. From a spiritual standpoint, some of us were popping bottles of Don Perignon, but we had a beer budget, and you didn't have the ability. Come on, somebody. I know all of y'all are saved, and y'all never lived that type of lifestyle back in the day. <laughs> you got a beer budget and champagne taste? I heard that on a, on a country song. I don't know where I was at the store, and they started playing that. I was like, hmm. <laughs> But Jesus came through and said, I'm paying the debt for your sins so that you might be forgiven. Though the price tag is much higher than anything you could have paid, my blood is enough. My forgiveness is enough. My mercy is enough. My goodness is enough. Thirdly, the third way to win in the game of life is this. You must look to champions and follow their example. You must look to champions and follow their example. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, He said, we do this in keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Jim Rohn said this. He said, success leaves clues. And many of us hire our favorite gurus and life coaches and consultants. But Jesus was the ultimate example of success and winning in the game of life. He took our punishment, he took our sins, he took our failures, he took our mistakes. And the Bible says when he hung on the cross of the very people who were crucifying him and putting him to death, he looked up at the Father and said, Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. Or basically, God, they don't know what they're doing. They're making mistakes. They're like sheep without a shepherd. They don't know what they're doing, but forgive them for their sins and I will take the brunt and the burden and the weight of everything that they've done so that they can live free, so that they can be healthy, whole, and healed, so that they can be delivered. Jesus is the champion that set the example of who we should be with God the Father and how we should live because champions always leave clues and success always leaves a path and a trail that we can travel, amen? when we follow the one who made the rules of the race and model how uh, to succeed in the game of life, then we will be successful. Vince Lombardi, the one the trophy is, is named after, he said the best coaches know what the end results look like. Jesus knows what the end result looked like. Because his father in heaven said, I want heaven populated. 
And Jesus said, I'm willing to go to the earth and I'm willing to become one of them. Emmanuel, God with us. I'm willing to go in human form and I'm willing to be the sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. As we're reading the Daily Walk Bible and we're finishing the book of Leviticus for those who came to reunite, you know, we talked about the sacrifices. Every time someone sinned in the Old Testament, there had to be a sacrifice, a lamb, a goat, a bull that had to die to cleanse the sins of the people. Well, the Bible says that Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice for our sins so that we can be forgiven. Amen. If you're in this place, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter what sins you've committed because there's a blood that was shed from heaven so that you could be forgiven of any sin, that you could be healed of any disease, that you could be cleansed of any act that you've committed. I believe that the devil has lied to a lot of people and said, you know what? God will never forgive you of this and nor should you ever forgive yourself. But you didn't make the rules to the game. Jesus did. Come on. You didn't design the playing field. Jesus did. And if his rules said that if he sheds his blood for our sins that we would be forgiven, then who are you to tell him that he's wrong for forgiving us and having mercy on our lives? Amen? Today, altar team, you can come forth. Today is the day where your life can change. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 says this. This is speaking of Jesus. It says, because of the joy that awaited him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame, and now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured for sinful people. Then you will become, you won't become weary and give up. Jesus endured hostility for us. He was beaten and bruised for us. He suffered punishment for us so that we would be forgiven. In the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and verse 20, it says this. It says, look, this is Jesus speaking. He said, I stand at the door and I knock. He said, if you will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And he said, and we will share a meal together as friends. And those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. See, the difference today, this is what's going to happen in your life. I'm going to give a call here in the next two or three minutes. And I'm going to say, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I want you to come up and pray with me. Or the other call I'm going to give is you've known Jesus as your Lord, but you've drifted away. You know that your relationship with him is not as close as it used to be. And you're going to say, well, what's the difference? I've prayed before and things didn't change. I've asked God to help me before and things didn't change. The difference of what's going to happen today is when you come to this altar, you're not just going to have a casual acquaintance with Jesus. You're going to open up your heart because he's knocking at the door of your heart and he's going to come and live on the inside of you. And the difference is 
before when you were tempted, you would go and do what you knew, know you shouldn't have done. But this time, when you have that desire to do the wrong thing because Jesus is living on the inside of you, it's going to be his strength that's going to prevent you from yielding to that temptation. It's going to be his strength that's going to keep you strong when you feel tested and you feel like you desire to do the wrong thing before you could not do it in your own strength and that's the reason you failed. This time, you're going to do it in the strength of the Lord. That's the key. That's the key. You're not doing it in your own strength. You're doing it in God's strength. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. We pray that today's message has touched your heart and encouraged your spirit. We believe that the Word of God has the power to transform our lives and inspire us to be better versions of ourselves. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more inspirational messages. Until next time, may the good Lord bless you. And we look forward to seeing you at one of our weekend services and sharing with you once again next week.